0: Well, if you do have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 12, we're going to begin there, looking at verse 7, and we'll go on from there, Genesis chapter 12, before we begin, let us seek our Lord, that he would help us to see him and his goodness and his glory. Oh, Father, we are nothing apart from you, oh God, but in you we have all things. In Christ we are made complete. In Christ we have everything. We praise you and we give you thanks that we, this morning, can seek you, can hear from you, can praise you and honor you and draw near to you. What an amazing privilege that we have to come even now before your word to hear from you. So, Father, I ask that you would give us eyes to see. You would open up the minds and the hearts of every individual here. That we would see you in your goodness and your glory and your power and your mercy and in your love. That we would have a complete and full revelation that you would open our eyes even further and further. There is nothing more glorious to behold than you and all your goodness and glory. There's nothing better, there's no better place to be than here. There's nothing that surpasses this. But, oh, Lord God, we need our eyes to be open to see the blessings, to see what is ours in Christ, to see you. Oh, that we might see your beauty, that we might see your goodness, and be forever changed. Do this for your Son's sake, the Lord Jesus, in whom you love. Amen. Well, this morning, we're going to be looking at how it is you get to know God. How do you get to know God? And do you realize something? I want to ask you this morning. Do you realize, do you realize how important it is to know God? Do you realize how it is important to your life and for your life that there's nothing greater that you can know is, than to know God? And why do I say that? <laughs> Yes, but even more so. Because the person who comes to know God has come to know the essence of all goodness, beauty, joy, majesty, power, love, and everything that is good, awesome, glorious, and beautiful. He is the source of all life. And even though we find delights and pleasures in this world, you know, many of you, did you eat this morning? Yeah. Did you enjoy it? Did you sleep last night? Well, maybe not. But if you slept, you probably enjoyed it. And you find in life, do you realize as you walk through life, the little delights and joys you have and the things you're able to delight in? Every single one of the joys, every single one of the delights, any little tiny gift is from your Father. He gives it to you. He's delighted to give gifts. If you think about life, and you think about the colors, and the flavors, and the pleasures, and the delights, think about it. Every single one of those are from your Father's hand. He loves to give good gifts. Have you ever found it amazing in the things that you find joy and delight in doing, and how even there His hand is, giving you His gifts? So if you enjoy something in this life, it was a gift from the giver of life. He gave it for you to enjoy. And if he can give such gifts to those of us who hate him, rebel against him, disobey him, and don't even thank him, what does that tell you about him? What does that say about him? It shouldn't just tell us, oh, this is what it says, man, can he ever give good gifts? No, it's actually as a sign to tell you how good he himself is. That the giver is so phenomenal, so amazing. It should give us a glimpse, just a glimpse, a taste of him as a person. He is the fountain of all life. In him is life. He is the source of all goodness. He is more beautiful than the most beautiful thing you could imagine in this world. Do you realize that if you ever see a glorious sunset or a marvelous majestic mountain range, all you, and you, and if you've ever been touched with a sense of awe and wonder, all you are seeing is in a glass dimly the glories and the goodness of God. To simply be in his presence. To be in, in, in his presence is to be in the midst of the best and most complete joy you could ever experience. So knowing him, not just knowing about him, is the greatest treasure you could ever find. I guarantee you that if God will allow you, your mind to, eyes to see he opens up your hearts and you behold him, you will never be the same again. If you taste and see that the Lord is good, you will have tasted the choicest of delights. And his other gifts become constant reminders and pointers to his goodness and his glory. So this morning, we're going to talk about knowing God by experience. Knowing God by experience. And in, in, in the book that we are reading, that we've given to you guys to read along with, Blackaby is making the argument that we come to know God by experience. We come to know him, we, uh, sorry, we don't come to know him simply by receiving a bunch of data about him. And while it is definitely true that we do grow in our knowledge of him, We we only grow in that the deep knowledge or really where it really gets us and it goes beyond just data points in the head when it enters into our hearts and we see with the eyes of our hearts and 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 then we experience God. We know him. And then as we go through life and we see him in life and we see his hand in our lives and his we see his deliverance or his power or his grace or his strength or his wisdom in our lives, we come to know him. And while it's true, and as he talks about in this book, that we know him by experience, I want to add something to this. Because I want to add that we first come to know him by experiencing his revelation. We need a revelation of him, and that precedes the experience of him that we have later. So we don't just come to know God by experience. In the events of life, we come to know him by experiencing him through revelation, and that first and foremost. And in order to show how this works itself out, we're going to look at the life of Abraham. He gave Abraham and Moses as the key examples. And so we're going to look at both of them and see how these things come together. Abraham knew God by revelation and by experience. That's the first thing we're going to see. And if you look at Genesis chapter 12, there you'll find out that the reason I say this is because in the Experiencing God book, even though it talks about Abraham, he talks later on about Abraham learning that God is Jehovah Jireh in the example of Isaac and giving him up to the Lord. The first thing God did is call Abraham and reveal himself to, to Abram at that time. Abram. In Genesis chapter 12, the Lord spoke to Abraham, and if God speaks to him, It is a most. It is a powerful moment of revelation where he comes to know him. We don't know whether it was a vision in terms of when we're going to look in. Actually, verse seven. We don't know if it was a vision or it was audible words or if it was an angel of the Lord appeared to him. All we know is that God here speaks to Abraham, and when God speaks, He reveals Himself. So Abraham responds to God's voice, leaves everything, and goes to where God has called him. And just before Genesis Genesis chapter 11, that's where God tells him to call him out. And then look at Genesis 12, verse 7. If you look at verse 7 there. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he there built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. So here we know, in, in chapter 11, God calls him, and we don't know, he speaks to him, and he calls him, and we don't know how it is he does that, if he appears to him. Or another place, we're in chapter 17, Abraham has a vision, and in this vision, God speaks to him. But here, in Genesis chapter 12, what happens, this is how God approaches Abraham. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, he spoke. So Abraham came to know God because God revealed himself to him, right? That's what happens. God reveals himself to him. That's how he comes to know him at the very first. And this truly was, as you could imagine, that would have been some experience. Like that's like if you hear, were to hear the word of the Lord and it came audibly in the sense of from his actual voice and he appears to you, you encounter God in this way, well, that's one doozy of an experience now when i say revelation i don't mean information right it's clear that this isn't abraham is not receiving just a bunch of data he's hearing and seeing the living god and he, it comes to him in a way this this information about who god is and what he's going to do for abraham comes to him in a way that changes him completely because when you get information what do you do you hear You're hearing right here now this morning, you're hearing words. But if the truth is not revealed to you, it doesn't do anything to you. Nothing. Just imagine right now you hearing that God loves you. I say to you right now, God loves you. Okay. Those are words. They come out and they land in your ears. They go into your brains and you bring, okay, cool. God loves you. All right. Now, you might hear that, and if, it's, and if the truth of that is not revealed to you, then you merely do nothing but go, okay, cool, so what? I, I, I heard that lots. But now, what if the words that you know, God loves you come alive to you? They enter into your heart, and, and all of a sudden, there's a sense in which those words change. Because you really truly believe them and you get a sense of this God in heaven, this, the highest heaven. He loves me. And you come to understand that and, it, and what happens is that's called revelation. The spirit opens the eyes of your heart and you see it, you get it, and you understand it in a, in a different way than just hearing data points. And they're two different things. Revelation is when that happens. The eyes of your understanding, as the Bible will say, or your heart sees, or your heart believes. And that's the first thing that ever has to happen. God has got to speak to you, and you've got to hear him. You are my beloved child in Christ. Those words are either dead to you and nothing, or they mean something. They mean something because he's opened the eyes of your understanding. That's the very first thing that has to happen. So Abraham come to know God by revelation, and that revelation produced experience. But he also came to know God, didn't he? Later on, he came to know God by experience as he walked with God. First of all, let's look at the life of Abraham. If you look at it, you see that he experienced God continually. Yahweh protected him and his wife in Egypt. Abraham was terrified, right? Remember that story? <laughs> so he says, I've got, a, I got a, a scheme. What we'll do is you're, tell me you're my sister because you're drop-dead gorgeous. I know he's going to want to take you. And he would kill me. So you're my sister, which was kind of true. She's she's like a half-sister kind of thing. And uh, so they do this, and God delivers them. He shows up to Pharaoh, and plagues come upon their household. And he says, what have you done to me, Abraham? He's like, oh, I didn't want you to kill me. So he gives Sarah back, and and he realizes, God is my protector. He protects me. He goes before me. Then after this, God gives five kings. Abraham's a pretty mighty man at this point he's got a lot of stuff and a lot of people and he gathers up his troops and he heads in there's five kings that took out four kings of sodom and gomorrah and two other places and then they captured in the in the process captured lot and abraham goes out to deliver lot and he takes on five kings and defeats them this is pretty amazing stuff he sees that god is his his fortress the one who goes before him and fights for him and 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 he's able to conquer his enemies And then we know later on in the story that God gives him Isaac. He's 100 years old and God gives him Isaac, this child of promise. God is the keeper of his word. He experiences this. And then what happens is God asks him to deliver Isaac up to him. And Abraham, by faith, goes and does this. He doesn't understand, but he knows God is good. He knows God's the keeper of his word. He knows God is faithful. He's experienced God in his life. He's come to know him. And in... And in Hebrews, it says that Abraham actually believed that if at the worst case scenario, God is going to raise him up from the dead. And so what does God do? God provides. And then he names him Jehovah Jireh at that point. The Lord, my provider. Yahweh provides. In all these cases and in more of Abraham's life as he lived life, Abraham came to know God through these experiences in his life as God proved himself to Abraham in many different ways. He didn't just sit there and says, We, got, we have class from Monday to Friday, 8 a.m. till um, 4 p.m., and show up, and we're going to tell you a lot of stuff. No, you're going to walk with me, and you're going to find out some things about me, and as you do walk with me, I'm going to ask you to do some things, and they're going to seem crazy. Trust me. And you're going to see me show up. That's how it's going to work. And you're going to experience God. In like manner, Moses. Moses knew God by revelation and experience as well. The same pattern we see. If you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 3. We know that here in the context, Moses was a fugitive in the wilderness. He's about 80 years old. 80 years. 40 years now he's been wandering and tending sheep in the wilderness. When God revealed himself to him. and If you look at Exodus chapter 3, you'll see here, especially starting at verse 1, how it, the experience took place. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning. Yet, it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see what great, this great sight. Why, why is this bush not burned? When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses. Moses, every time I hear this, I, I think of the Ten Commandments of Charlton Heston that day when I saw him. The movie plays in my mind. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take off your sandals off your feet, for the place in which you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob and Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. No kidding. What an experience. Moses encounters the living God. And what happens here is God comes to him and reveals, opens Moses's eyes and helps him to see and reveals himself to Moses. Bringing revelation. He sees the living God. He's like, Oh no. And, and this is, this is veiled Glory. God says later to Moses, no man shall see my face and live. Why is that? Because I tell you, it's so awesome. It's so grand. It's so majestic. It's so beautiful. It's so glorious. It's so holy. It's so other. It's so powerful that I have to protect you from it. It cracks me up sometimes. You hear what these people these atheists said arguments of debating whether there's a God or not. Why well, don't you show up right now? And they, they talk all slanderously and you're like, oh man, you have no idea. One day you, you will see and you will melt like wax. It, it is just awesome. Now, one thing's clear here in this passage. Moses came to know God, Right? He came to know him. And it was because God revealed himself to him. It was through revelation. And in this revelation, when revelation comes, experience happens. When you see with your eyes, when, you, when he opens your eyes and you see him, and you know who he is, experience comes as a result of that. That would have been life transforming as God did this to Moses. Moses saw and heard from God in a way that none of us will on this planet. It was a unique experience, never to be had again. So what happens first, though? This is important. The first thing that happens before Moses experiences God again later on is he has a revelation of God. He, first of all, encounters God. He sees God. And in the seeing of God, in the revelation of who he is, he is changed forever. He has this amazing experience. But then, beyond that, Moses... He was able, as he walks with God, he experiences God, doesn't he? Right away, he's telling him to go do something. So Moses goes and does what? He says, I want you to go and I want you to deliver my people. And he was able to see God do these powerful things through him. Like turning the water to blood. The bringing of locusts, frogs, flies, and several other things. In judgment upon Pharaoh and this grand, mighty nation of Egypt. Moses experienced God in some incredible ways as he walked with him. And then he experiences God in perhaps maybe one of the most powerful ways. He just keeps one thing after another. Here he's, he's called to, to lead these people out, and he leads them out, and he, he's called to lead them to the edge of a Red Sea. And the enemy, the most powerful nation in the world, pressing down on your back, and there they are in this possible scenario. God says, you're right where I want you. Because now, Moses, what I want you to do, I want to lift up your staff towards the sea. And as he does this, the seas part, and he experiences the deliverance and the power of God. And they walk into a wilderness, a wilderness where there's no food, no water. Oh, great. Thanks, God. No food, no water. This is wonderful. A million or so people. Great. Now what? Well, watch this. I'll feed you from heaven, and I'll bring water from a rock. I'll take care of you. Experiencing God one after another, he's called to go do. God speaks to him. There's revelation. He reveals himself to him. And then as he moves forward in obedience and faith, believing God's word, God does these amazing things. And he comes to know God. He meets with God on the mountain. That sounds like some unbelievable experience. And there God comes down and thunders and lightnings and terrifying fire. And there's Moses up in the middle of it. With every event, he grew in his knowledge of God. And God became his salvation. God, his deliverer, his provider, his life, his everything. He came to know God as that. In Blackaby's book, I thought he did a great job as he explained how Moses came to know him, God as his banner in that fight, the battle. And as long as Moses raised his hands, Israel won. And as soon as they got tired and they lowered them, they started to lose. And he started to see that the Lord, his God, was working And fighting for his people. And he called him the Lord our banner after that. He's our banner, the one that goes before us in battle and war, the one on whom he he is on our flag, and he's the one out front, he's the one fighting for our enemies. So Moses came to know God by revelation and by experience. He grew in his knowledge of God. Now, when it comes to us, it works no differently. And this is where the application comes even to our own life. It works no differently. We experience God by revelation and by experience. Now, obviously, don't get me wrong, we are not Abraham or Moses. And so God is not going to reveal himself to us in the same way at all. Because we're not the pivotal characters in the, in the revelation of God as he's bringing about his grand plan however we 're pivotal characters in our own day, in our own time, in our own way, but you know what here 's the cool thing in some ways in some ways, the way God reveals himself to us today is much better. You know, how can I say that? Do you hear what I say? Much better, and that 's how the Bible often talks about this time when Christ has come, the revealing of the Son of God has come it 's much better they they, they only saw as through the glass dimly. They only saw the foreshadow. They only had taste. They only saw parts and pieces. They didn't see the whole picture. The scriptures teach us that Jesus is the exact representation of the almighty God in flesh. So when we see and believe in Jesus, when we see Jesus, who do we see? We see God, man. God coming to earth. Jesus is the exact representation. And what does he do? Jesus comes and he speaks to us. He heals us. He delivers us, saves us, washes us, feeds us, and gives us his spirit to commune with us. So when we, something happens here, though, for us, what has to happen first? You first of all have to see. Revelation precedes all things. It begins there and then experience. Experience. And actually, you have an experience with Revelation. Try to talk to one person whose eyes were opened upon the preaching of the gospel. And as they heard the message of the gospel, it's like their eyes beheld the Lord. And they saw themselves. They saw the Lord. And, And then what happens is they believe. And upon believing, you find that they have this tremendous experience. Because God, by the Spirit, revealed to them the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what happens. And then we, from there, we go on and we continue to get to know God through the experiences of our lives. And here's, it's a crazy thing. Right now, the way words work, words can come out. They go out and they enter into your brains right now. And they could, they could mean absolutely nothing. You could sit here and say, man, I'd just love to have a good nap right now. Um, you could be thinking about all kinds of different things. Those words, and even if you thought about them, they may or may not do anything. What's required is that the Lord would open our eyes and that we would see Jesus. Remember even how Paul prays, it's been our benediction, I'm going to use it again today in Ephesians 3, that the eyes of your understanding would be opened. what, What does he want them to see? The height, the depth, the width, the breadth of the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And then what happens when they see that you might be filled with the fullness of God? Revelation and then experience. And then from that place, now you move on and you walk and you believe and you trust God and you obey God. And you watch him do things. And he, he, you see him show up in countless ways. As I said earlier, to, just to hear that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life is meaningless unless the Lord opens our eyes. We can hear it a thousand times. You can tell somebody, please understand who you are. It doesn't matter how bad you are. It doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter how wicked you are. It doesn't matter any of that. All, that. all that matters is you need to understand one thing. That Jesus has come to die for people just like you. That if you believe on him, you will be saved. You will be delivered. You will be brought into fellowship and communion with the Lord God. And you'll become one with him. And you will enjoy, be able to enjoy him. it will be like, okay, so what, what are you saying? Can you explain it a different way? Um, no, it's a simple preaching of the cross. You tell that and some people see. They see themselves. They see Jesus. And they're never the same again. They believe. And in believing, the hearts of their understanding is opened up and it's like they experience God. The worst thing to ever is to live, you know, sometimes even as Christians, God put, takes us through valleys of deep darkness. And you know what it's like? It's like we don't see God. We wonder where He is. Why have you forsaken me, O Lord my God? Where are you? What's happening? And what we need more than everything, anything is to see the Lord. We need to see the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to understand. We need, oh, Lord, just show me yourself because when I know you and I see you and I understand you, my life will be forever changed. I know it will. I came across one of the greatest statements that just recently uh, in a book, and I think it reflects how this reality works in our hearts. And it went like this. We will never have more passion for God than we understand that He has for us. We will never be more committed to God than our understanding of His commitment to us. In other words, the degree to which you love Him will be in proportion to the degree to which you believe He loves you. You know why this is? Because we are responders. We are people that we can't love until we've been loved. And so that's why we love. Why? Because he first loved us. You have to experience the revelation, the understanding, and the knowledge of his love. And when you know his love and are filled with his love, do you know what you want to do? Love. Because you've been loved. That experience and understanding of the revelation of God and who he is in Christ Jesus and what he's done for you changes your life. When I'm convinced of his goodness, his love, and his grace in my life, and the reality of that sinks in. Even when I'm disciplined by him in life, I love him back to the degree that I understand his love for me. So my experience of him is relative to my true revelation of him. And this is as it should be. Because we are responders. Just think for a moment. If you think that God doesn't like you, you won't like him much either. If you think that God's angry at you, you're going to have a little chip on your shoulder against him as well. If we think him to be some overbearing, mean, grumpy father, then we might tolerate living in his house. But we don't have much joy in his house. This is why a revelation of him impacts our experience of him. How do you understand him? To show you how this works, let me ask ask you a question. When you turn to God and approach him after you've sinned and failed, do you see him as the father and the prodigal son who runs out runs to you, embraces you, kisses you, and hugs you, and says, oh, it's so good that you're back. Or do you see him as cold, distant, uninterested, and in fact, quite angered, arms folded, thinking, I'm going to teach you to fear me. I am going to teach you a lesson, boy. However God is revealed to you and you believe him to be is how you will experience him in the trials of your life, when you experience suffering, when how you come to him in repentance and even how it is you confess your sins. Who you believe you're coming to Will affect how you come to him. I thought this was quite fascinating as well. When I thought about this and in terms of like understanding who your God is and how you respond to him, how you experience him in life. Do you think that David, when he danced before the Lord and made a fool of himself before the Lord, what was he thinking about God? Like who who is he thinking he was doing this before? It has to be that he must have been so overwhelmed by God's goodness, God's power, his grace. That the fact that he was returning to Israel and coming back, that this overwhelmed him. And, and now the experience in, of this whole thing was to such a level that he's like, I am out of my gourd happy about this. Because this isn't a guy just, just faking it. This is probably a good thing to do here, you know, do a little jig um, God's coming back into Israel. Um, you know that's not how you, you think of. Okay, wouldn't he think of him as this awesome sovereign power? It wasn't too long before that that they he was on the cart thing and Uzzah, a, You know, fell over and Uzzah touched it and, you know, and then the, they they're so terrified that they sat the ark there for a while and they weren't sure what to do. So he clearly understands that God is amazing and awesome and powerful, and you don't mess with him in in that way. But clearly, if you read the Psalms, David delights in the Lord. (laughs) He sees the beauty of the Lord. He sees the goodness of the Lord. He sees the the delight of the Lord, and and he loves to dwell on him and think upon him. He says, I would rather spend time in your courts, I would rather spend the day, in fact, just one day, than a thousand elsewhere. He knew who his God was, and as a result, it created an experience that he lived his wife life a certain way. In like manner, as you as you walk through life, you've probably, hopefully, if you walk with God, you'll come to see Him. And understand Him. And experience Him. And hopefully you know and you become convinced that no, the Lord is my provider. He is my support. He's my comforter. He's my help in times of trouble. He's my wisdom. He's my strength. He's my all. If you've walked with the Lord, you've come to know Him better through experiences. Experiencing Him in, in the midst of life. Both through the hard times and the good. I'm sure, I'm sure you have stories. I can tell, I, I was thinking of stories. And I, some of the things I couldn't, I couldn't think to tell new stories. You know, I've, I've been here too long. I was like, man, I, you know, I've heard that one a few times. Uh, you know, I heard that a few times. I'll forget it. There, there's a lot of things in our lives, a lot of times and places in our lives where we have come to know God. Because we go through a trial, we go through suffering, we go through some kind of experience. And we come to know him as we've never come to know him before. He truly, he is my comfort. Why? Because I was in deep sorrow, and I cried out to him, and he met me. I experienced him. Now you can put that on a chalkboard. He is your comfort. Cool, cool. Comfort's cool. I like that. It mean nothing to you. Okay, go through a time when you desperately need comfort, and then you find him to be your comfort. You will, you will understand that word differently forever. He is your portion. He is your provider. Have you ever been, have you ever been to that point where you've been on the edge and you know what? Provision would be nice, but we have nothing. Have you been there scared? Have you been there crying out to God? Have you ever been there and by faith you trust him? And then what? He's my provider. Lord, you did it again. You provided. Have you ever been so weak that you cry out to Him and you find that His grace is sufficient for you? Now, when someone talks about His grace being sufficient, you no longer hear those words the same anymore. You experience God and you know Him to be true and He's revealed Himself to you. We have plenty of stories, I'm sure. We can go around this church and hear the stories of God as your deliverer. How about your wisdom? Ever went into a situation where you were like, I have no idea. I have no God. I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm lost. Please have mercy. Grab me. And he he shows up. He is my wisdom. Because no matter what we experience or what we go through, no matter how bad or difficult, one thing can never change, and that is who God is. He never changes. He is infinitely good. He's infinitely loving. He's infinitely merciful. He's infinitely powerful. He's infinitely wise. And because he is all powerful, all wise, and all good, he will be sure to make even the worst of things in our lives work out for good. So when it comes to knowing God through experiences that prove this out to be true in our lives, then who, whatever we're in, wherever we're at, whatever it is we're going through, whatever situation you're in right now, no matter how hard, no matter how difficult, no matter how dark, do you know it does not change? God and he is infinitely good he's infinitely kind he's infinitely wise he's infinitely powerful that doesn't change and because of that you can be absolutely confident and know for certain know with all certainty that lord you could you could say to god lord god i know you will deliver me i know you will I know you're going to work this out for good. I'm convinced of it. But you cannot say that and you will not be convinced of that unless you know him to be who he is. If you have a false view of God, if you have a false understanding of who he is, you will respond to it wrongly. If you think God is angry at you, if you think he's, t- he's rejected you, or if he thinks he's pushed you away, or if he thinks he's, he's messing with you, you know, do you like it when you get a flat tire? Do you like it? When your car breaks down? Do you like it when everything in that day just seems to fall to pieces and apart? Where's God? Is he, is he just like messing with me? Is, is, that, is this some, some joke? Well, that's a lie. That's something we need to repent of. Oh, Lord God, I was tempted to believe that you are not good. I was tempted to believe that you know, you're not powerful. Or in fact, forget tempted. I believed. I was believing the lie. I believe that you are mean, that you're cruel, that you're messing with me. I believe that you are angry, and I believe that I'm just not good enough for you. That's what I believed. So the only way that you're going to know God is first by revelation, then by experience. Know him in the sense that the Bible talks about knowing. Know him in that Hebraic sense of knowing in your heart that he is knowing what he's like. I pray this morning. This is the one prayer I pray for us, and I've been praying lately, because you know what happens to me as I see the Lord high and lifted up, as I see his power he gives me eyes to see, as I see his goodness, and I see his love, and I see his, I see his kindness, and I see his mercy, and I see his power, and I see his wisdom. Everything on earth, and all the issues of earth, and all the issues of life seem to fade and seem to disappear. Do you know what we need more than anything? We need to experience God by revelation and by the experiences of our lives. We, we need to, he needs to open our eyes that we might see him because right now, what do you see? Your problems? What do you see? your difficulties? What do you see? Your struggles? What are you seeing? What are you looking at and seeing? Typically the things in life that overwhelm you and overcome you are are because you're staring at them and they are big and your God is small. you're You're not knowing who He is. So may we come to know God by experiencing Him through revelation and by the situations in life and be able to declare his praises and delight in him and you should shout to the lord shout his praises because he's that good father we thank you so much that you are enthroned on high and i i ask father that you would give us eyes to see who you are in your goodness your glory your power your wisdom your mercy and kindness and your love that are that we would we would see you and be overwhelmed and we would live there we keep meditating on you thinking about you pondering you delighting in you praising you worshiping you lifting you up and you'd fill our hearts to overflowing as we experience you in both the revelation of you and the experiences in life we go through. Amen.